Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Comic Book Book Club. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Lasik. I'm your co-host, Kendra Forte. And folks, we are on part two of our three-parter Watchmen deep dive. And uh, once again, it's a doozy. It has not gotten any more fun to read. Um, I disagree. This is when, um, this is when, uh, you, there's a bit more of, like, superheroing and, like, people actually in costume doing things other than just Rorschach, so. Nothing's ever gonna top the Dr. Manhattan issue for me. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll see. Okay. Diving right into it with issue five. Um, this issue has a lot of jumps over to the news vendor character and the people who people that he interacts with just like on the street, uh, providing an everyman's view of the other events that happened in the issue. Um, so I will not be detailing every time that happens, just know that that happens in this issue, just to provide a different perspective. I love, I love when comics just put just a random dude in there. Yeah. Well, it's because it's all about, like, pretentious gods and whatever, so sometimes you just need a dude on the streets of New York to be like, Hey, what's going on with the superheroes? Rorschach visits uh, Moloch again, says that the list that uh, Blake, a.k.a. the comedian, mentioned was the cancer list that was used against John in the last issue. Uh, just as a reminder, this list was prevented, presented to John, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan, live on television, and it was, like claiming that he gave all these different people cancer and it caused him to have a breakdown and run away to Mars. Um, so Rorschach connects the dots that Blake knew of this list um, and, like, tells Moloch about it and uh, gives Moloch a way to, like, contact him, like, a signal method to be, like, if you find out anything else, let me know, kind of thing. Um, I feel like it doesn't help to know what gave you cancer <laughs> after you already got it. Yeah, well, it matters to John. I guess, because it's like a guilt thing. But he didn't go tell John. <laughs> That's because John's on Mars. Oh, do you mean Blake didn't tell John? No one told John. <laughs> yeah, until it was live on national television. Um, yeah, I mean, like, this is, and well, this, this is brought up later, but, like, this is, you know, at this point, it's starting to be put together as, like, some big conspiracy and getting rid of John was just part of it, which is why Blake, like, Blake knows about the conspiracy, which is why he was, like, crying and drunk in Moloch's room a couple issues ago. So this is just one part of it. Uh, people on the street are just, like, going nuts out of fear of war. Um, because that's still how, like, in the background of all of these superhero shenanigans in New York, Russia is still invading most of the Middle East, <laughs> and the U.S. is still genuinely considering nuclear war, so that's fun. Uh, so there are people, like, going nuts and committing crimes and everything because they're afraid of nuclear war. Um. <laughs> I, too, would commit a crime. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would. Probably. Uh, Laurie, a.k.a. AKA Silk Spectre 2, daughter of the first Silk Spectre, uh, former girlfriend of Dr. Manhattan, has been kicked out of the research center where she and John lived because John is gone, therefore she no longer has value to the U.S. government. So, Just like her mother said. Yup, her mom Mom's was right. Al mom is always right. Uh, in the words of Mother Gothel from Disney's Tangled, Mother Knows Best. Dan, a.k.a. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried to just go right over that. Oh, man. 
Dan, aka Night Owl 2, uh, another retired hero, offers his place to Laurie because they've sort of been getting buddy buddy over the past couple issues. Um, we I like then, Dan. He's sweet. Yeah. I think he's my favorite character in this because he's just like a genuinely good. Like, he's like the only person that became a superhero out of like a genuine want to do good and not yeah. because they're like a freak or their mother made them do it or something like that. He's just like, I just, I just like birds and building things and I just want to help out. <laughs> I just want to help. We, we, get, we get a bigger glimpse into Dan um, a couple issues later. Um, but in this issue five, uh, Dan offers Laurie to stay at his place. Um, we then get a glimpse into Rorschach's life when he's not in the mask and he is a paranoid, hateful freak, as we already know. Um, Vite is then attacked in his building... Like a man comes at him at the lobby. Vite, aka Adrian Vite, aka Ozymandias, the bold, okay. the, bo- the blonde dude. Yes, I know dude who in Ozymandias. Purple. Okay. Yeah, so he's attacked in his big corporate building. Um, he beats the crap out of the guy. Like, the attacker doesn't even have a chance because this is freaking Ozymandias, the smartest man alive, or whatever. Um, but the attacker uh, bites into a poison capsule before he can be captured. Um. Rorschach thinks that this is even more proof for his mask killer theory. And, and at this point, he's not wrong. Well, uh, we'll see. Um, it is definitely a weird coincidence, and in most cases, co- in, in comic books, coincidences are never coincidences. Uh, he then gets a message in his like, Dropbox thing from Moloch that Moloch has information. Um, meanwhile, Laurie starts sleeping in Dan's guest room. Um, he like very obviously wants her, and it's kind of sad. <laughs> Um, and the police receive an anonymous tip on where to find Rorschach. Uh, Rorschach then shows up at Moloch's house and starts talking to him, only to discover that Moloch is already dead before he even arrived, uh, and then conveniently the police show up right at that moment. Um, and there's like this kind of cool, kind of messed up, like Home Alone-esque sequence (laughs) where Rorschach like breaks into all of Moloch's drawers and like uses them to kill police officers. So he gets, like, a hairspray can and, like, a lighter and, like, sprays fire all over I think you saw them. a different Home Alone than I did because <laughs> that's not Home Alone-esque at all. That's just kind of messed up. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, l- listeners, if you think this was... L- let us know how similar you think this was to Home Alone. <laughs> um... Eventually, Rorschach gets overpowered by the police after he jumps out of a two-story window and breaks his ankle. Um, They pull his mask off, uh, and it turns out that he's a dude we've seen before. He's the guy that's sort of been in, like, the background a couple times, uh, carrying an end is nigh sign. The first time we see him is actually in, like, the first page. Um, He walks past the camera uh, outside of Blake's building as they're, like, cleaning up the blood off the sidewalk. Um, We see him with his sign outside of uh, the uh, cemetery during Blake's funeral. Um, he talks to the news vendor a couple times. I don't know if you ever noticed this. I did. I noticed once when he was talking to the news vendor. I was like, who's the doofus with the end is nice <laughs> Yeah, it's Rorschach. So that's, that's I, I talked about this last issue, but that's, this, that's another one of those things where like, once you, once they do the big reveal, you can go back and be like, oh, there he is and he's there and there he is. Great, again, great world building, great story structure. Regardless of the actual contents of the story, great story structure. If it was another story, I would like it very much. <laughs> uh, 
Um, that's the end of issue five. The uh, background text is uh, in you. This is the most boring of the background text. It's in universe backstory on the in universe pirate comic that they keep cutting into the main story that no I've been skipping cares. over. No, no one, one cares. cares. The the text again mentions that the author has gone missing. One of many scientists and artists that have gone missing. Yeah. Another through line. Um, issue six. This is when we get to really begin digging into Rorschach, which has its pros and cons. Um, Rorschach is in prison. Turns out his real name is Walter Kovacs. And I'll be referring to him intermittently as Rorschach and Kovacs, depending on how I was feeling when I was writing that portion in my notes. <laughs> uh, he is being treated by a Dr. Malcolm Long, who is sort of a, a, a big, jolly African-American man who has uh, very bright outlook on life, and he sees uh, treating Rorschach as his, fa- uh, his, as his big chance for fame and fortune. So it's the whole thing of like, oh, if I write, if I like manage to fix him and then write a book on it, I'll be rich and famous. I was like, okay, not the best motivation, but this is Watchmen, so everyone in here is kind of a jerk in one way or another. Um, we learned that uh, Kovac's mother was a, uh, can we say that word on the radio? A lady of the night, let's say. No, you can say prostitute. <laughs> okay, she was a prostitute who hated and abused him because uh, he walked in on her quote-unquote working multiple times sex work is real work i know no i know i it's um mm. it's just portray- you sound hateful no i'm not hateful you know me i'm not a hateful person mm. i'm not a hate we're not this is not the place <laughs> to be talking about this i uh Caitlin, if you're out there <laughs> uh, stop it <laughs> i put it in quotes because it's a dude it's a little boy walking in on his mother with another man because apparently his mother doesn't know how to lock doors <laughs> when she's doing her work. Um, so we, we are, we're only shown one instance of it, but the implication is that he has done this multiple times and has therefore kind of gypped her of being paid for her work on multiple occasions. Um, so she takes it out on him as a child. Girl, sis, get a lock. Yeah. Um, it's at this point where... Uh, haha, isn't it funny? Long decides to give Kovacs a Rorschach test. Isn't that clever? Isn't it funny? Because he's Rorschach? I don't Rorschach? think it's supposed to be funny or clever. I think you're just a hateful, bitter man. <laughs> <laughs> I have been told on multiple times that I'm jaded. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Long uh, gives... Kovacs a Rorschach test and Kovacs lies about it. So this is the sort. This is the the narrative framing where um, uh, Long will give Kovacs an ink blot and he'll look at it and we'll get like a flashback to what it is. So like it's like two lumps next to each other and like we flash back to him seeing his mother doing her work and then he's like I see a butterfly and Long's like great and then he writes something in his notes which is crazy because I saw a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> And I went back and I was like, mm, maybe. <laughs> um, everyone in the prison, both the guards and the prisoners, hate Rorschach because he's Rorschach and everyone hates him. This was so funny. I was trying to read all the insults and I couldn't read the insults because there were other insults printed over the first insult. Mm-hmm. I was like, there are just too many mean comments here and I can't enjoy them. 
I can't enjoy seeing Rorschach get dunked on because there's just too many dunkers. <laughs> there's too many dunkers on this basketball court. Get out of here, dunkers. What are you doing? We don't have space for you and your basketballs. <laughs> there's only one hoop. Please leave. Why aren't you? <laughs> yes dead, and, man. Kendra. Yes and. The joke's dead, man. The first rule of improv is to yes and, Kendra, not to stand there, sit there in stunned I silence. Just, I just want to see how far you would go. How <laughs> how far you would bury this joke. Why must you do this to me? In front of our audience, too. In front of all four of our audience. In front of your girlfriend. <laughs> in front of Caitlin, Kendra. <laughs> Anyway, she just she just texted me saying, "Wow, you're really feeling this dunk joke." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm being bullied, and I don't like it. Anyways, we see via flashback that uh, Kobach's was violent at a young age. Kids on the street, because this is in like 1940s New York, would come up to him and be like, "Ha ha, your mom's a sex worker, and that's bad." So then he'd naturally bite their faces off. Naturally. Naturally. No, I'm not being sarcastic. Naturally. Yeah. Um, eventually, I too would someone's face off if someone talked about my mom. <laughs> I'm just protective of my mom like yeah. that. Um, eventually, in what is uh, a stunningly unrealistic uh, display of child services, um, him assaulting a child leads to him being contacted by the police, which leads to CPS finding out about finding out about his living situation and removing him from his mother in 1951. Um, we also get a peek into, uh, Dr. Long's life where he has a healthy, happy, healthy marriage for now. Bum, bum, bum. Anyways. Um. They're so cute. They were so cute in yeah. this issue. She's like, nothing else matters because I have you and we're happy together. Yeah, it's almost like it's purposefully sweet to an unrealistic way to set up the contrast for what happens later in this issue. Narrative design! Anyways. Um, Kovacs uh, continues to tell Long about his uh, life, um, about how uh, in 1962, while he was working in the garment industry, he got... Uh, it's, it's an interesting way uh, to describe it. So this the story of how he got his face. And this is what, like, I just really like the idea of a mask that is constantly changing shape, so I always liked, like, the story of how he got it. So I'm actually going to go into detail with this. Um, Rorschach, or Kovacs, as a teenager, was working at a garment factory, because this is the 20th century New York. <laughs> so, um, when was it? Never mind, off topic. <laughs> I was about to ask when the, the triangle, triangle shirtwaist fire mm-hmm. was. <laughs> I actually went to, building, uh, went to class in that building, back when I was in NYU. Oh! NYU bought the building because it was cheap, because it was probably haunted. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did they have fire escapes? I don't think so. Hmm. Looks like a lesson was not learned there. Very pretty on the inside, though. You do get chills up your spine, though. Mm Mm-hmm. I read a book about it in, like, I think middle school that was, like, a fictitious account from the perspective of three different girls. And, like, it ends with them all dying. Like specifically, specifically, I mean, that's it, what happened. Specifically, it details the three major um, failings in the triangle shirtwaist uh, fire. That's it, a good way to do it. Yeah. So one of them dies via suffocation because there was only like one door in and out. One of them dies because the fire escape gives out underneath them and they fall to their deaths. 
And one of them gives out because they try to, like, one of them dies because they try to, like, jump to one of them big firemen trampolines. But because they're, like, no one bothered to report the fire, the firemen weren't prepared in time, so they just kind of hit the ground. Yikes. Anyways, um, Kovacs is working... <laughs> Moving on. Kovacs is working in, in a, a garment factory, and um, this girl that... I don't know. It doesn't matter who she is. This girl orders like a fancy dress. It does dress. matter who she is. Oh, is that the girl that comes up later? Yeah. Okay. So this girl uh, who will name the girl, uh, woman, pardon me, this woman, this young woman orders uh, a dress. Um, she wants a dress that she can wear repeatedly that never looks the same twice. So these garment people, in again, an unrealistic, I feel like this is, at least from what we see of like the level this garment factory just looks like it's a place that mass produces it, not like a place that would take custom orders. Um, so I don't know if they would have either... I don't know if they would have the acumen and or the materials to create this. If they gave some kind of reason of why they had the materials. Hmm. One of the other masked heroes or whatever, I think it was Ozymandias? Which one has the big company? That's Ozymandias, yeah. Vite is how is what I've been referring to him. Um, so the this uh, uh, garment factory um, makes this dress that's uh, two layers. It's one layer of like white fabric, another layer of see-through fabric, and in between is like a black liquid that's heat sensitive. Um, so when you're wearing it, the liquid will move around and like form blobs. And the woman that ordered it ended up being like, "Ew, this is ugly," and like didn't take it. So um, they let young Rorschach take it, and uh, in 62, he ended up uh, cutting it up uh, into a mask. Um, Two years later, in 64, he reads in the newspaper that that same woman was uh, sexually assaulted and killed while her neighbors washed and did nothing, uh, and he claims that that inspired him to become Rorschach. It's Kitty Genovese. Do you not know the story of Kitty Genovese? Should I? Yeah. Readers, listeners, I'm afraid to admit I don't know the story of Kitty Genovese. Well, this is what happened to her. Oh. Interesting. It's a very famous uh, psychological thing. Oh, a, lot, like... a lot of psychology classes use it. Oh. Or like the bystander effect, where you think someone else is going to do something, so uh, you don't do anything. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that this was actually a thing. I thought this was just... I think this is how 911 got invented. Huh. Interesting. Um, it's at this point during the interview process that Kovacs admits that he can tell Long is only interested in him to get famous and not to actually help him. Um, and that's sort of... It, 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 all of this stuff is starting to like take an effect on Long. Like He's starting to break down over time. Um, later that day, Kovacs fights a man in the mess hall and dumps burning oil on him. And says uh, what might be the most famous line to come out of Watchmen. That being, I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. Uh, I'm Rorschach. Your Rorschach voice continues to amuse me. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. We have, to, we have to watch the movie after we're done this. He does talk weird. I didn't notice that he talked weird until you said something about it last week. Mm-hmm. His yeah, sentences I, uh, just are missing vital parts. Mm -hmm. I had readers, uh, or a reader, contact me about the same thing. Um, that they Is didn't. it your girlfriend? It was Caitlin, yes. It was my girlfriend. 
um, that, uh, yeah, he, he talked funny. Um, but yeah, uh, it, then we see that working on Kovac's case is ruining Long's marriage, uh, because he comes home and his wife's like, I'm sexy, don't you want to have fun with me in bed? And Long's like, no, I'm depressed now, I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> um... Kovacs claims that when he put on the face for the first time... He calls his mask his face. Um, so he claims that when he put the... F- f- I'm trying to say face and mask at the same time, and it's not coming out great. He claims that when he f- put the mask on for the first time, he wasn't Rorschach yet, just, quote, Kovacs pretending to be Rorschach. Uh, and he calls himself and the other heroes at the time soft. Um, it's at this point in 1965... Rorschach starts working with uh, the second Night Owl, a.k.a. Dan. They were sort of the uh, dynamic duo of this universe, busting up gangs and whatnot. Um, In 66, Rorschach meets Blake at the uh, Crime Busters meeting, the one that ended with Blake kind of burning down the presentation. Uh, uh, Rorschach says that he admires Blake's uncompromising attitude, whatever that means. I He's think a go-getter. <laughs> he shows initiative in the workplace. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 1975, Rorschach has become much more violent. Uh, he goes after uh, kidnappers that have kidnapped a young girl. Um, he realizes that the kidnappers have fed the victim to their German shepherds, so he kills the dogs with a butcher's knife. Um, this is another... Uh, thing that I put in quotes in my notes. Do you want me to do the voice? Yeah. It was Kovacs who said mother then, muffled under latex. It was Kovacs who closed his eyes. It was Rorschach who opened them again. So this is sort of the uh, tipping point for his psyche. Because we can see, like, through all these flashbacks, that he was never, like, really mentally there. But uh, he's claiming that this is the tipping point where he went kind of fully nutso. Um, was when... And I believe that. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, the realization that these criminals gave up, like, just, like, having to come to grips with the fact that, like, you're chasing down criminals and you realize that they fed their captive to dogs is a pretty harrowing experience for anyone, I'd say. Um, Rorschach then handcuffs the kidnapper to a wall in their house and burns the house down with him in there. Uh, And he dumps his whole dark, twisted philosophy onto Long. He talks about how, like liberals stink and everyone's fake and he talks about how everyone sucks and politicians suck and I don't know he's just a hateful man (laughs) so are you this is you in a couple of years how dare you (laughs) I like liberals first of all (laughs) um Long is now shaken to his core he sort of leaves for the day and returns home um and his wife his wife who he barely talks to now Makes him go to, like, a dinner party with the neighbors. And the neighbors are like, ooh, tell us about Rorschach. He's so creepy. And Long's like, he killed a dog after he found out that they ate a girl. And just kind of ruins the party. <laughs> it's That's their fault. You said, tell us about Rorschach. He told you about Rorschach. Honestly, I don't know what you wanted. Honestly, I find the scene comedic. <laughs> I think this is very funny. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. But, uh... Watchmen has uh, very few instances of levity, and I think this is one of them. 
Because they just kind of like, he says that, and then it's just like two panels of no text bubbles. It's just them all looking at each other. Which is saying a lot for this comic. No text bubbles really mean something ridiculous just happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, his wife then leaves him, which is no surprise. Uh, and the issue ends with Long's internal monologue matching up basically word for word with Rorschach's own dark, depressing monologue. So this issue really was just about the breaking of a man. Breaking of two men, really, because we see Rorsch we see Kovacs breaking into Rorschach, and then we see Long just sort of breaking. Just broken. Yeah. Um, I think this is, um, I think this is a good example to see how, like, negative, uh, negative worldviews can be sort of, uh, uh, toxic in a way that is, uh, poisonous and invasive. Um, especially, and I mean, like, you know, this world is pretty grim, uh, admittedly, I wasn't alive in the real life 1985, but uh, this 1985 is pretty dark. Kind of um, sucks. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, they've got electric cars, but well, everything I else say, is bad. I was gonna say they also have war in the Middle East, but we have war in the Middle East, so. Haha, <laughs> we do that. I'm not that great of a history student, but. Did Watchmen predict the U.S. getting involved in the Middle East? When did that start? Be when, did the, when did the U.S. invade the Middle East? When was that? Do you know? No. Uh, I'm going to look it up. Is it that important? To yes, me, folks. It's important to me. Yeah, so 2003 was when Iraq was invaded by the U.S. So this was published in 86. So that's almost 20 years ahead of its time that Alan Moore was able to predict U the U.S. and Russia being getting involved in invading the Middle East. That's pretty impressive. It was bound to happen at some point. Yeah. It's also kind of depressing to think about this is supposed to be like a dark timeline and it ends up matching our own timeline pretty darn closely. <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. Uh, the text block at the end of issue six is, uh, a couple of different documents. It's Rorschach's police profile, uh, psych analysis and psych history, and, like, a few essays and letters from his school days, uh, just sort of helping build the picture of him having, like, messed up mother issues and how it deeply affected him and whatever. Uh, and that's, that's the, that's the halfway point of the whole series. Issue seven, um... This is another, in my opinion, moment of levity. <laughs> Laurie is exploring uh, Dan's garage, which is full of his old night owl equipment. Uh, she gets onto his owl ship, uh, which I think is called um, Archimedes or Archimedes or however you pronounce that name. Archie. Just call it Archie. Yeah. Dan calls it Archie. Uh, I just called it the ship in my notes. Uh, so she gets into the owl ship and she's trying to like light her cigarette and she accidentally triggers the ship's flamethrowers. <laughs> Uh, Dan... Those buttons are close enough. Sorry? Those buttons look alike. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just thought this was a funny moment. <laughs> uh, Dan, who is... Dan, who is upstairs in the kitchen, uh, uh, hears the commotion and remembers Rorschach's cape killer theory and rushes down in a panic. Um, Dan and Laurie then, as they're cleaning up... This issue is very... It's basically just Dan and Laurie talking for, like, 30 pages. Uh, so they start talking as they're sort of cleaning up. 
Um, they compare their superhero careers. Uh, Dan calls his, quote, a school kid's fantasy that got out of hand. And uh, Laurie complains about her mother basically forcing her into it. They flirt. There's a lot of, like, cute, light comedic moments, which is rare for Watchmen. Um, Dan compares how he feels about heroing to Laurie's cig- cigarette habit. Uh, like how it's hard to kick and he sometimes thinks about going back into it, uh, explains that it came out of his fascination with like Arthurian fantasy, which I can relate to because I really love medieval fantasy. Um, so that's where sort of, you know, the name Archie came from because that was the name of like Merlin's owl sidekick or something in the Once and Future King. Um, and uh, he admits that he agrees with uh, Blake that in the end it was all just a waste of money and effort. Um, he also says that uh, Rorschach used to be sane back when they teamed up, but he uh, thinks that, quote, the mask's eaten his brain. Ooh. <laughs> cool, but he's wrong. Rorschach was never sane. Yeah. Um, Laurie admits that she doesn't miss John, even though she feels like she should. She admits that he was never really there for her. Um, at this point, Dan is, like, blatantly wanting Laurie, like, really badly, but, like, not doing anything about it. But it's really obvious, and you feel kind of bad for him. Um, they sit Don't down. go to horny jail. <laughs> Sorry, Night Owl, but it's time for you to go to jail. Not for breaking the law, but for being too horny. Um, they sit down to watch the 6 o'clock news. They have a feature on Rorschach. Um... They managed to get a camera into his apartment, and it's, like, really gross (laughs) and, like, full of garbage. And you can see the end is nigh sign, uh, and it has uh, what they claim to be stacks of right-wing literature. Um, The news also says that Russia is continuing to push through Afghanistan and is getting close to Pakistan's borders. So Pakistan is calling on the U.S. to help them. Um, This is the weird parts of Watchmen where, like, they don't, like, the focus turns to into like international politics <laughs> like this doesn't have to have anything to do with what i was here for i mean it, it becomes later in the story because the, the 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 climax which i'm not going to spoil anything but it's sort of the the, the it's the crux of it is re- revolving around how the world is inching closer and closer to pushing the big nuclear button um but we'll get into that uh next week dan and laurie flirt more during the news um, it ends with, like, a really quick story about a new breakthrough into teleportation and, like, extra-dimensional energies. Uh, Dan and Laurie then have sex on the couch, and it turns out Dan can finish, or can't finish. Oh, well. Whoopsie-daisies. Whoopsie-daisies. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so they end up going to sleep on the couch. Dan has a dream about uh, that ends in, like, nuclear devastation, and he wakes up in a cold sweat at 3 a.m., he goes down to the garage and starts, like, tinkering around, tinkering around with his stuff, and Laurie follows. Um, Dan then expresses his feelings of anxiety and powerlessness in the face of both nuclear war and a possible mask killer. Um, I gotta say, pretty relatable. <laughs> I also stress about things that are out of my control, so, you know. That's called anxiety. Yep. <laughs> um... He and Laurie both put their super suits on and take the ship out to get some air. Uh, they come across a burning building, and they manage to rescue everyone in the building by getting them onto the ship. Um, after dumping everyone on a safe building, they bone again, this time in the ship and in costumes. 
and Dan has no issues because he's in costume, and it's really weird. Costumes are hot. Okay. <laughs> uh, man, we are going through this a lot quicker than I thought I would. we would. Which is a shame, because neither of us have read past issue eight. Yep. <laughs> it's because it's issue seven is just a lot of conversation between Dan and Laurie. So it's a good view into their psyche, but it's not a great thing to talk about on a show like this, where we're trying to get into the plot and the themes. Because this is just very prose-heavy, and not much action happens. Um, again, this is great world-building, and it's a great way to uh, explore the characters' deeper motivations. Um, it makes them seem like real people more, so I'm praising Alan Moore on that. But it's not a great fit for this format. Um, Watchmen is just a lot of world building. Yeah. There's a world and nothing cool happens. <laughs> there is a lot of uh, plot development that's crammed into the la- the, the latter couple issues. Uh, <clears throat> but, yeah. Whatever, we'll pull up headlines or something. Um, and uh, Dan decides that the next course of action is to break Rorschach out of jail. He's like, let's break Rorschach out of jail. And there's a moment of silence and Laurie goes... What? <laughs> His reasoning is that uh, Rorschach has actual information on this cape killer thing. So Dan wants to break him out so that they can finish that investigation because he's now convinced that they're that he's convinced that because of Blake's murder and because of Rorschach being set up and because of John being set to be kicked out off of the planet, he is Dan is now convinced that there is some sort of conspiracy against former superheroes we're not gonna just go visit him we have to be illegal about it (laughs) yeah well visiting him would basically be like hey we're superheroes but you don't know it anyway can we go see our superhero murder friend thank you um i'm not sure if it's in issue seven or eight but there is okay so yeah he, he uh talks about it more in issue eight dan details why he wants to break rorschach out of jail more in issue eight um the end of issue seven, the text block, is an article written by Dan uh, for an ornitholo- ornithological journal about, about owls or something. I don't know. It's more world-building because Dan mentions in this issue that these days he gets most of his money by writing articles for ornithological journals. I know big words. Dan likes birds. <laughs> Dan like bird. Dan write about bird. Uh, issue eight. Uh, Hollis Mason, the first night owl, calls up Sally Jupiter, uh, the first Silk Spectre. Silk Spectre, yeah, uh, Laurie's mom, and uh, they talk. They talk about Dan and Laurie and about their own old days of costuming, and it's uh, it's kind of sweet, you know, like two old teammates that haven't talked for a while. Sort of the two, I think, yeah, the two remaining alive members of the Minutemen just kind of talk for a little bit, and it's nice. The news vendor makes another appearance, uh, as does Dr. Long. Dr. Long is still depressed. Um, again, there's a lot of news vendor in this issue, but it's just sort of more world building and more like every man's view on the events. Uh, Dan is starting to buy into Rorschach's theory. This is where he talks about that, like, maybe there's not like one person that's a mask killer, but there's definitely some plan to get rid of masks. So, like, there's something going on, and Dan believes that, like, what's happening is uh, someone's trying to remove the people that could stop the thing that's going on. 
a point of evidence for this is that um, Laurie had been with John for like decades and she never got cancer, like the other people on the list. And all the people that were on the list uh, had worked for the same company between 67 and 85. This feels like something that journalists should have looked into before he was like on air. John, you killed all these people. We do see, and this could either be a piece of world building or just Alan Moore not liking journalists, but all of the journalists in this universe are very tabloidy or either very tabloidy or very political or both. Just bad at their jobs. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be much in the way of investigative journalism in this timeline. This is a quick Google. (laughs) This is a quick... Yeah. Again, connects people. Again, this is either another piece of world building that like the introduction of superheroes have made things very tabloidy, or it could just be Alan Moore not liking journalists. Um. Meanwhile, uh, in prison, Rorschach is visited by a big figure who is a small man because that's the joke. <laughs> another strange moment of Watchmen levity. Uh, Big Figure is a crime boss that Rorschach put away like 20 years ago and now he runs the jail from the inside because it's a prison and it's a comic book so someone runs the jail from the inside. Uh, Big Figure tells Rorschach that the dude he hit with oil a couple issues ago is dying and when he dies Rorschach will die too because there's probably going to be a riot of everyone trying to get at Rorschach. Uh, He also tells him that- What dude did Rorschach hit with oil? Um, Rorschach was in the mess hall, and, like, there was some dude oh, with a shiv, and he's like, dude. I'm gonna mess you up, and Rorschach's like, okay, and he just grabs a pot of oil and throws it on his face. Okay, bad dude. I had immediately forgotten <laughs> that that dude existed. Uh, Big Figure also tells Rorschach that, uh, Dr. Long has resigned. Um, Dan is then visited in his home by one of the detectives that was working Blake's case in issue one. Uh, he basically indirectly tells Dan that, like, the police know that he's Night Owl, uh, and tells him, do not put the, like, again, indirectly says, man, it sure would be bad if Night Owl were to ever show up again, Daniel. (laughs) You know what would be bad, Dan, if Night Owl showed up again? The next couple pages are sort of, uh, brief little vignettes of things that are going on at the same time while Dan and Laurie prep for the heist. Um... So we see uh, a scene at the New Frontiersman, which is Rorschach's favorite newspaper. Um, and they talk about... Uh, this is actually a question that I received from a listener that's reading at the same time. And by a listener, I mean my girlfriend. Um, uh, the So there's two prominent newspapers that we know about in this universe. There is the New Frontiersman, which is right-wing leaning and is Rorschach's favorite newspaper. And there's the Nova Express, which I think is more left-wing leaning. We don't see much of it, but we know that um, uh, after uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre made their return by saving people from a burning building, um, and after all the other cape stuff that had been going on, um, the Nova Express uh, published an editorial called The Spirit of 77, uh, sort of praising, I think, praising the the masked people for doing what they do and being like, man, it sure just sucks that superheroes aren't around anymore. Um, so we, one of the vignettes we see is the new frontiersmen putting together their, like, counter-argument of, like, no, masks bad, <laughs> or something. Or maybe it was vice versa. I don't know. I kind of skimmed over that part, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. We didn't look at that. It's, 
don't know. The new frontiersman does become a bit more important in like the last couple issues, but uh, right now it's just more world building. Um, the new frontiersman is running a story on all the cape stuff that's happening. Uh, again, sort of in response to Nova Express's uh, uh, story, uh, and they also briefly mention the missing authors. Um, speaking of which, we finally get to see the island that Blake mentioned. This is um, this is really starting to build up to the end game. So um, the author that we've seen his face multiple times throughout here on like missing posters is there along with uh, an artist, and the artist is drawing a picture of some weird squid monster. Um, in the background of this vignette, we can see uh, a large tarp and an approaching uh, freighter ship, um, and it's implied that the squid monster that she is drawing is under the large tarp, and that they're going to load it onto the freighter. Um, and the writer and artist both go off to, quote, wave their baby goodbye. So, we now know that all of the artists and writers and scientists that have been missing, that Blake, have no, that Blake knew about, are on this island, and they're willingly creating some sort of large squid creature. So that's fun. Uh, meanwhile, Hollis Mason is preparing for Halloween. Um, while he's uh, carving up a jack-o'-lantern, uh, a news broadcast announces that the man Rorschach attacked is dead and that a riot is imminent. We then jump forward a bit to see the news vendor interacting with more people. He gets a newspaper delivery, and the newspaper announces that the riot has started. Uh, in the prison, Rorschach is still in his cell, but there's like a big crowd trying to get at him. Um, Rorschach fends them off in a uh, naturally, characteristically brutal and violent and bloody way. It's not great. <laughs> a man like sticks his arm through with Rorschach, like ties his arms up and breaks them, and then like slits his throat, and it's gross. Um, as he's doing this, Dan and Laurie arrive in the ship and break into the prison. Rorschach continues to defend himself. Eventually, the only man left standing is Big Figure, who runs away out of fear, and Rorschach ends up walking out of his unlocked shell untouched. Uh, Dan and Laurie fight their way through the prison as Rorschach chases Big Figure. Um, they catch up to him. It's another weird moment of levity where, like, Big Figure runs to hide into, like, a men's bathroom, and then as Rorschach is approaching the door, Dan and Laurie show up, and they're like, we're here to break you out! And he's like, alright, I gotta use the bathroom first. <laughs> And Laurie's like, ugh, why does he? Why is he always like this? As he's like killing a man inside the bathroom when they're unaware. Um, the three of them escape, uh, and they start emptying out Dan's house as he has set up new identities for them. Um, Laurie goes to empty her room and finds John inside. Uh, he ends up saying something like, "I need you to convince me to save the world" or something, and takes her to Mars, um, or something like that. At that same time, the police show up outside Dan's house, uh, and Rorschach and Dan escape via the ship as police break the door down. Um, meanwhile, at the newsvendor's stall, uh, a gang that had been hanging out at the stall pretty much all issue uh, hear that Night Owl, a Night Owl, broke Rorschach out, so they decide to uh, teach him a lesson, and one of them claims to know where Night Owl lives. Unfortunately... For everyone involved, it's the wrong night owl. And no. uh, they end up, it's in a very sad moment, they end up uh, breaking into Hollis Mason's house and uh, beating him and his dog to death. No, not the dog. Yeah, the dog too. And it's not until after he's dead on the floor that the gang members are like, oh no, this is an old man that we just killed. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. I didn't notice when I was beating him to death. <laughs> but now that he's dead, this is an old man. We shouldn't be laughing. It's sad. 
It's funny. It's kind of funny. Then the text in the back is the uh, New Frontiersman articles on both the masks and the missing authors. Uh, in the second article about the missing people, it's, there's also a mention of a, a famous psychic whose head went missing from the morgue after he suffered a stroke. So, mysteries abound. And uh, that's issue eight. We're now two-thirds of the way through. Thoughts so far? This is not a fun comic. No. It's very dark and very serious. There are a few jokey moments, which just make the dark moments even more so dark. It's, um... I still think it's it's worth the read. Again, this is a very influential piece of media uh, in terms of comic books, so... I do like it. It's not something that I revisit very often, but, like, every couple of years, I'll be like, what was up with Watchmen again? And then I'll read through it and be like, oh, yeah, now I'm sad. Uh, let's see what headlines I can pull up. We're just kind of chilling for the next 13 minutes. Um, oh! Uh, do you want to talk about your WandaVision theories? Well, that's kind of a big spoiler. <laughs> um, How long ago did it come out? Well, a couple days. Friday, I think, it, uh, the issue 5 came out. Or episode 5 came out. So We'll wait until next week. Yeah. Um, I will talk about that... Uh, Remember I was talking about uh, Future State a couple episodes ago and how, like, they just can't stop themselves from returning to the status quo? Yep. Would you believe it? They're already advertising on returning to the status quo. They've been putting in these big splash pages of, like, coming in March, Batman comes back, and Superman comes back, and Wonder Woman comes back. So it looks like I was wrong. Once again, I underestimated the comic book franchise, uh, the comic book industry's desire to return to the status quo, because Diana Themyscira is back as Wonder Woman, <laughs> coming soon. Yara Floor did not get any time in the spotlight. <laughs> oh, uh, King and Black, the Venom thing I was talking about a couple ep uh, episodes ago. Uh, Eddie Brock came, or not Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock's been there. Um, Flash Thompson came back, my favorite Venom, he's back. Well, he's kind of, he's like a ghost. Cause, He's a ghost? Yeah. So in the first issue of the King in Black tie-in, Null dropped uh, Eddie Brock off of a building without his symbiote, and he died? So As one would. As one would after being dropped off a building. So um, uh, a couple years ago in the Venom comics, it was established that any time uh, a, a host is bonded with a symbiote, uh, it, sort of a... a small copy of their brain patterns called a cortex is stored in like the symbiote hive mind so um after brock gets dropped off a building and dies we are now we now follow his cortex through like the visual representation of the venom hive mind or the symbiote hive mind and that's where we see flash thompson again and it's really fun and uh it ends the the latest issue ended with a cliffhanger but the cliffhanger was uh Flash basically breaking back into the living world and like taking over one of the goop dragons. So I'm very excited for to keep reading. <clears throat> uh, I guess this is a. Uh, we could talk about what we're going to read after Watchmen. Have you decided what we're going to read after Watchmen? Yeah, we're going to do uh, Invincible, the first 12 issues of Invincible. I should probably finish reading the first 12 issues. Uh, issues of Invincible. We've well, got like three weeks because we're gonna next week is another is our last Watchmen episode, and, and then, then we're gonna have headlines, and then we're gonna have like a like a break week where we're talking about like headlines and whatever. Uh, and and if you guys, if you listeners want to suggest topics for us to talk about, you always can. Um, and then uh, after that, so in three weeks, we'll be talking about Invincible. 
Um, and then after that, we're going to do, um, what was the one you wanted to do? Something about, uh, Something's Killing the Children. Something's Killing the Children. I love Something's Killing the Children. Yeah, so that'll be in five weeks. Uh, so there's your reading list. Um, let's see, what else is going on? There is a Dungeons and Dragons movie in production. That kind of sounds bad. <laughs> it stars Chris Pine. That doesn't make it any better. <laughs> Did we ever talk about uh, Wonder Woman 1984 on the show? No. We should. It was alright. <laughs> I liked uh, Pedro Pascal's performance. And I liked I liked uh, Barbara Minerva's character up until she became the cheetah. At which point it got boring. But like the rest of her character before then was really interesting. She was just so happy. Yeah. It was also really relatable because she acted, uh, the way she acted reminded me of me in a way that I was not comfortable with. Um, what else is going on? Uh, that's just a listicle. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like nothing else is, uh, happening. Apparently there was some trailer for, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League during the Super Bowl, but I didn't watch it because I hate Zack Snyder. We've we've complained about Zack Snyder enough on the show. I'm, I think there's been another uh, trailer. There's a trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, yep, that. I haven't seen it yet because uh, I don't watch sports, so I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that's going to be the next big Marvel thing after WandaVision. I don't. I uh, I want to talk about WandaVision so bad. Because what happened in issue 5 is such a big game changer in more ways than one. We will be talking about it soon, though. If not next week, then the week after. But I want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, that has this has been uh, the Comic Book Book Club. Uh, if you want to talk to us in any way, if you want to suggest topics for discussion, if you want to suggest stories to be read, if you have questions you want to be answered, if you just want to chat, uh, you can reach us on Twitter at CBBC Pod, that's at CBBC POD, or you can email us at CBBC Pod at gmail.com. I've been your host, Matt Lasik. I've been your co host, Kendra Forte. And until next week, Excelsior! <laughs>